Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by ShopOhioState.com and the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore, the finest place online and in person for all the best Ohio State apparel, and MinutemanTickets.com, all your ticket needs, a national selection with the local feel. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, the post-game version, Ohio State, Minnesota. And I'm not talking because I'm tired of everyone throwing stuff in my face. I try to say that they're going to be fine. And in the middle of the third quarter, all I get are tweets that say, Oh, Doug said everything was going to be fine. So I'm not talking. You talk. It's your last podcast. Do all the talking. Everybody loves you. Uh... They hate me. They they act like I'm in charge of this team. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm out. I'll talk next week. You want me to talk for like the full 50 minutes? Talk for 45 minutes. They, uh, keep, they want the full Landis experience for the final podcast before you nobody wants head that. off. Yeah, nobody they wants want that. all Landis all the time. It's my fault that Ohio State only won by 16 because I said Dwayne Haskins can solve everything. And clearly the fact that Dwayne Haskins threw for um, 412 yards and three touchdowns, and if he wasn't on the field, they would have lost by 30. Clearly that was wrong. The idea that Dwayne Haskins can solve everything. So you talk then. Fine. Just talk. Uh, yeah, but I don't really want to talk about the game. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about life? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't want to talk about anything. You want to talk about jelly beans? All right. So how about I ask questions? I'll ask questions. You ask questions and I'll answer them. And you answer them. You guys can read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Nope. Not doing that one. Uh, um, Delillo. We'll start with Delillo. My guy. Next week I'm getting married. Congratulations. Hey, congrats. Way to like slip that into a question. Yeah. You can just tell us. You don't have to like <laughs> slip it into a question about Bill Davis. Next week I'm getting married. What should my worry level be? One to ten. He knows how we rate things. Yeah. That Purdue can pull the upset and ruin my wedding day. Ten, I assume, is your wedding day is on fire. You're like everybody there is fist fighting. Um, it's a thirty point loss. You're you're you basically end up divorced because Purdue beat Ohio State. One is Ohio State wins and everybody's happy. Uh, like a four, like one point because teams just lose sometimes. Another point because Jeff Brom is a bit of an offensive genius. Um, another point because Ohio State can't seem to cover a slant. And one more point because it's on the road. So four. I can't believe you think DeLillo's going to get divorced. It's pretty cold. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, here's the thing. I almost feel like the worse t- teams are, like, the better chance Ohio State has of screwing it up. Like, nobody was afraid of Indiana's offense and Minnesota's offense, right? And right. then everyone's like, oh, my gosh, all these problems. Like, but, they're on alert for Purdue. Yeah, they're yeah. on alert for Purdue. I, guess I, I buy that a little bit. And they'll have a plan. They can't. Because they were on alert for TCU and Penn State. And it's weird. Like, like the defense, I think, has like been at their best against TCU and Penn State. I know yeah. they gave up big plays in those games, but... In terms of the talent they were facing and how they played, I think those are their, their two best games. We just use your questions to talk about what we want to talk about. So I'll say this. They need to get healthy. I thought today was the most they missed Nick Bosa. And that's because Jonathan Cooper wasn't there. Yeah. So they started the year with what they thought were, I think, two potentially all – no. They started the year with an All-American defensive end – a potential All-American at defensive end, and another really good, highly-rated recruit they felt good about. That's Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Jonathan Cooper. So no Nick Bosa. Today, no Jonathan Cooper. So it's Chase Young, who I think is starting to run on fumes since playing basically every snap against Penn State. Um, I think he hasn't been quite as good, and I think it's because he's tired. And then they were putting people – they played Jay Sean Cornell at the other defensive end, and I know some people have thought he's done good things. I feel – I always make this comparison. He's like a platoon player, and it's like, hey, this guy hits like 285 and 250 at-bats. Let's give him 600 at-bats. And it's like, don't give him 600 at-bats because yeah. he's not going to hit 285. He's going to hit 194. <laughs> they played Haskell Garrett, who's a sophomore tackle at end late in the game. Tyler Friday, a true freshman, was playing end like in the third quarter when Minnesota was driving to try to take the lead. Tyreek Smith is all of a sudden getting snaps outside the Rushman package. They were reaching for defensive linemen, and I did not feel like Minnesota was particularly bothered by the Ohio State pass rush for most of the game. They really missed Nick Bosa. They really missed Malik Harrison who's been the best of their linebackers, and I'm not sure it's been close. Tom Allen, the Indiana coach, a couple weeks ago said the difference for Ohio State is they're so deep. That's what separates them. But even their depth, it's it's not all the same. Well, it's young. And you can't, but you can't. I mean, but they're playing some young guys, right? I mean, like, yeah. Justin Hilliard's not young, and Jayshon Cornell's not young. And both no, those Tyree guys Smith started is, today. And is, yeah. They they are missing their good players. And I know Alex Grinch a couple weeks ago said it's scheme, execution, and then personnel. That's the order of things you have to fix as a defense. And lots of fans like to go to personnel first, he said. I thought today was a, a chunk of it was a personnel day. And it's because of injuries. And they need Jonathan Cooper and Malik Harrison, who are both in concussion protocol, to play next week against Purdue. Brains matter first. Rest their brains as much as they need to be rested. But as a football team, they could use those guys. Yeah, I, I am expecting them both to play. Both of them went through warm-ups. Um, they just didn't – they were out – like they, Ohio State does two batches of warm-ups, basically, like one in pads, one in not in pads. And the non-padded warm-up, they were both out there. Just they didn't come back out the second time. So I, I think they'll play next week. How big of a deal is it that you think, though? Do you think I'm overstating uh, their absence? No, I think I think Malik Harrison is a huge deal. I think you're right. I think he has been their best linebacker. It's not been close. Um, he doesn't come off the field. He's a, he's a he's an every down linebacker for them, and he's I guess Pete Werner is too. But I think Malik Harrison's had a better year. Um, Cooper matters. I just think for de- for depth purposes, I don't. He has not had near the kind of season that Malik Harrison has had. 
Um, but he's clearly in that top group of defensive ends with, with, or not clearly in the top group, but somewhat part of the top group of defensive ends with Bosa and, and Chase Young. And not having him, I think, matters too, especially when you start talking about playing guys either out of position or freshmen who have not played very much. So both get, getting both back is a major deal, Harrison more than Cooper. The Urban Renewal. Should Ohio State just accept mm-hmm. that they're Texas Tech? I, I thought was, that question was funny. I was going to write last week that they're Oklahoma. I, I looked stuff up. I didn't write it. I'll write it. I don't know. People don't want to accept it. I know that. I know that. And I don't think Urban Meyer wants to accept it. I've kind of traveled down that road for the last couple podcasts of, you know what, this this is who they are. So I guess it's not should they accept it, but is that who they are? No, Texas Tech is like 100-something in the country in defense. Ohio State's not that bad. Ohio State is worse in comparison to itself. Um, I actually, I still don't, I think I might have said this before, like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad defense. I think it's an average defense, but average looks bad at Ohio State. Um, Texas Tech has historically been a bad defense and is not good this year, although they played TCU the other night and it was like a 24-17 game or something like that. Um, no, they're not Texas Tech. Uh, I, I understand the question and, and clearly they are a team whose offense is better than its defense right now. It's kind of the same thing we were talking about with Alabama last week. Um, but they are not, they're not bad. I don't think they're that Texas Tech denotes being bad on defense, and I don't think they are. At Cavs Buckeyes, did Isaiah Prince just have a bad day? He's been solid overall since the end of 2016. Obviously, issues run deeper than him, but he stood out. Also, do you think uh, Nicholas Petit Frere gets on the field now, given how talented he is? It was a bad day, but you think he's been good this year, right? He's had a really good season. Uh, Kevin Wilson talked a little bit about Prince after the game. He said that there was a play in the second half where Prince like tried to get up on a linebacker on a run play, and he missed him, and then like the run play blew up because Isaiah Prince missed his block. And then Kevin Wilson said that he thought that that play stuck with Isaiah for the rest of the game, and he just couldn't get right after that, which is like a lot of the things that he's talked about, Isaiah himself has talked about in the past. Like that, it's all that 2016 season was about when he really struggled. Is like he could not get over the mental hurdle of having bad plays. And I think for a few minutes against Minnesota, it happened. I don't know why it happened. Maybe like part of it's frustration because the offensive line wasn't playing very well as a whole. Um, but it was so. At least now it was it was a blip and was other been been otherwise a very strong season for him. But it was strange that he kind of reverted back to that way for a little bit against Minnesota. I'm not an offensive line expert. Yeah. It looked like he completely lost his technique. He started like reaching for guys yep. and getting off balance and he got blown past at least three times in pass protection after that clear missed block uh, on the run play. He had another one earlier in the game, I think, on the run play where he got called, I think, for being an illegal man mm-hmm. downfield. And it's because he missed his block so badly, he stumbled forward and yeah. wound up illegally downfield, I think, on a bubble screen. Mm-hmm. I thought so. The question is like Nicholas Petit Frere is the backup right tackle, and do you think he would get on the field? No, not in place of Isaiah Prince. No way. That's not the plan. However, if you and I saw that with Isaiah Prince, knowing Isaiah Prince, I talked to Isaiah Prince one on one this season for a story I did before the Penn State game. He is a very emotional person. Mm -hmm. I think he's gotten it. He's grown a lot since his sophomore season. But that story was a lot about his frustrations and going into Greg's to Drawa's office and trying to get it out. And that, that he he wears that. He carries that with him. I actually thought, I didn't think it in the moment, but I think it now. If Kevin Wilson saw that and thought, this is a guy who's in his own head a little bit, I thought it was not. That's what I thought. That's not. It's not like Isaiah Prince can't block Minnesota. Right. It's something was mentally. He was either physically hurt or something was going on with him. He was in his own head. I might. I would have taken him out then. 
I would take him out for a series and say, Isaiah, you're fine. He's going to get Dwayne Haskins killed. Like, it's, you, okay, I get it. It might hurt Isaiah Prince's confidence to take him out for a series if you see that happening. In the meantime, if he misses three straight blocks in pass protection, he might get Dwayne Haskins hurt. And I yeah. thought that was at a breaking point today. And if Kevin Wilson saw that, I don't think you do it with everybody. And it's not punitive. It's to get your head straight. Isaiah, we love you. We trust you. Take a breath. Get a drink of water. Settle down. You're fine. Remind him about his technique and put him back out there. Because I thought for you, as you said, it wasn't the whole game. It's like it was a five or ten minute stretch. Yeah. But that stretch was awful. Mm-hmm. And with a non-mobile quarterback who your entire season rests on, I didn't. Th- it's not worth it. You can't risk it. Yeah. And I know it might sound crazy. I thought it had reached that point today. I would just be nervous about. And he's Isaiah Prince is clearly a, like a thinker. Like he just he everything that goes through his head kind of stays there. Um, I would be a little leery of doing that with a guy whose whose psyche kind of works that way. But I think it's a good point. Like you, you certainly don't want to leave Dwayne Haskins in a position where he's going to get hit. Um, I don't know. I just don't know if I do it with Isaiah Prince. Scott Duda, why no Tate? Had second and three inside the ten yard line, resulted in a field goal. Any question that if Tate runs three zone reads down there. We get more than three points. Hint, the answer is no. Hashtag Tate series. So they were 0 for 3 on touchdowns in the red zone, right? Yep. Two field goals. And what was the other one? Uh, a miss? What was the other one? I don't know. But anyway. No, they didn't miss a field goal. I mean, just like they didn't. He kicked three field goals almost for 47 yards. What happened on the other one? I don't know. Did something bad happen? Oh, was the fourth and one stop in the red zone? Maybe. The fourth and one stop, I think, was okay. in the red zone, yeah. So what do you think? I mean, nobody, uh, nobody else in the beat talks about Tate, right? It's just us. Yeah, it's just us. Yeah. 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 So we've. I asked Ryan Day about it early in the year. You asked Urban about it last week, mm-hmm. and we're not being we're not being wingnuts by asking about this stuff. We actually mean it. Yeah. So tell me, not what we want, Michigan State fake. What's this one called? Oh. Little wizards. Little wizards. Penn State broke it up. Um, that was dumb. What is? Going to happen, not what we wish or what we would do if we were the coach. Uh, I, I think you're going to see it. I think I might have. I think I might have said it to you when we were coming off the elevator back. It up was to me. Yeah. I. Who else would have been? You, were, you and I were the only one on the elevator. Yeah. Um, I'm, I feel pretty confident that Tate's going to play against Purdue next week. Uh, they. You can't go into the red zone and not score touchdowns. And increasingly over the last few games, that's what's happening with Ohio State. Like they throw the ball okay down there. But not well enough. They didn't throw it well down there today. They didn't protect it well down there today. And they didn't even really seem to like try to run it. Like I think they ran Dobbins one time for four yards and then like didn't run him again on that drive and they kicked the field goal. I think it was the first drive of the game. Um, they have to, they have to be able to score touchdowns. And if you can't, if you can't execute pass blocking in a way that's going to allow you to throw in the red zone, then you have to put Tate Martell in to run zone read stuff and equate the numbers that we talk about all the time and just give yourself an opportunity to score. Like it doesn't matter. It didn't matter against Minnesota. It might not matter against Purdue, but scoring touchdowns is going to matter when you're playing Michigan and maybe Michigan State. Um, and then the Big Ten championship, whatever happens after that, they just can't, they can't be leaving points on the board like that. So I, I think Urban knows that. I think Urban maybe has wanted to do it for a while, get Tate in there in some regard. Um, 0 for 3 in the red zone from a touchdown standpoint against Minnesota, I think might kick that can a little farther down the road and, and might see Tate next week. Tell me if I'm crazy. 
Sometimes I feel like I, I mean, I watch the game. They pay me money to watch the game. I have a nice seat. Mm-hmm. There's Diet Coke that's free. So I'm in a good spot to watch the game. But then sometimes when I get to the end of the game, I think, did I watch the game? Huh. It felt like to me that their red zone plays today, they just ran regular offense. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes teams go too far the other way. It's like, we move the ball for 60 yards, and now we're in the red zone. Now we're going to do crazy, weird red zone stuff. And it's like, what are you doing? Just be yourself. That's what Penn State did a couple weeks ago against Ohio State. And that's not good either, right? No. But I felt today was too normal that they didn't run all – Just you don't have to run. Just run the little thing like where the quarterback rolls out and you throw the little pass to the tight yeah. end. Do the little thing where – you know, right? A guy looks like he's blocking and then he slips out. Mm-hmm. They just ran like five wide offense. They yeah. just ran like, okay, here, KJ Hill's like running a crossing route. And it was like, okay, well, that got covered yeah. because the, the field smushed. So, so I felt like uh, I, I'm, I'm all in favor. I'm all in on the tape series, on the tape package, whatever. But I just feel they've got to do something. I was a little surprised. That they that at least they didn't do um, they didn't do anything in the run game. They didn't jet sweep. They didn't they didn't. I think they tried one jet sweep. No, that maybe wasn't the red zone. I don't know what the, I, the jet sweep. I'm just you're in a jet sweep with Johnny Dixon, which I didn't understand. I don't I don't know what they're doing. I, I, honestly, I, there are things that they're doing with the play calling and things they're not doing. Kevin Wilson, I thought, said something interesting today about like the idea that. When you're searching a little bit, you can ha- you can like be running through too much, and they haven't found a play or like a handful of plays that they can hang their hat on just yet. And I thought that was sort of like an interesting window into what's going on with the play calling right now. Like I think in the passing game between the twenties, they're fine. Yep. Um, but running the ball and in short yardage situations, whether that's in the red zone or fourth and one or whatever, um, I think that they're they're searching so much for what works that they they they're currently. The playbook's a little too big, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they're not they're not honing in on a few specific things that they can get really good at. They had a really nice play today where Rashad Berry, it wasn't in the red zone, but Rashad Berry came across the formation in motion like he was getting ready to be a lead blocker mm-hmm. on something, and then he slipped out and they threw a little pass to him and he got like eleven yards. Yeah, it was a great play. Run that in the red zone. Yeah. God, I love that play. I think I think they did try to run that in the red zone against TCU when it was a ball that got batted down. Oh, that before, was the play? Before Austin Mack uh, dropped the pass in the end zone. Save that. Yeah. We did a video on this. It's going to post Sunday morning so you can watch that. We're going to give you the brief answer on this. Jeff Davis at JD SoCal asked. Hendricks at Buckeye the Great asked. They're asking about changes to the offensive line. Is it too late? Could there be anything? Jeff Davis floated Wyatt Davis. Oh, I see how it is, Jeff Davis. Just float people who have the same name as you. Maybe you're related to them. We said it on the video. You had an idea. I had an idea. I think you might mm-hmm. also had my idea, but you were a little wary about health. But yeah. you go first. Uh, my idea would be moving Michael Jordan back to guard, which would mean playing either Josh Myers or Brady Taylor if he's healthy at center. Um, I think that if you wanted to make an immediate change, I think that one is probably the only one that's available right now. Um I like. I guess I shouldn't say that because Wyatt Davis is a five-star prospect who's a who's a redshirt freshman, um, and if he's that talented, then he should be able to play him. I guess. Um, and it's not like Josh Myers or Brady Taylor are are known commodities. Also, either way, you're putting in inexperienced guys. So, um, 
but the move that moving Jordan from center to guard is the one that that I'm a little bit on alert for. Not totally. I don't think it's quite. If it ha- I think if anything happens, it's not going to happen until after the bye week, unless it's so bad against Purdue they have to make a change within the game. Um, but that's what I'm looking at: moving Jordan to guard and putting in a new center. But yours, I think yours is better if health allows it to happen. So mine's Brandon Bowen. I mean, it's not mine. You and I think the same yeah. thing. Brandon Bowen, who was the starting starting right guard last year, broke his leg in the middle of the year, has been out since then. Demetrius Knox took over for him last year, played well. But Bowen's been hurt. But he was tweeting this week, like, I'm back. We saw him at practice. You said Urban Meyer had said he's close. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know where he is on his recovery. But when he is healthy enough to play a football game, I think they should try him in a football game. Yeah, I think so, too. And he actually, before he got hurt last year, I think he might have been their highest graded offensive lineman. He was playing really well last year before he got hurt. Uh, Jeffrey McClung at McClung 76 What's with the slow starts against these subpar teams? Are the coaches not pre-gaming enough? Are they doing something totally new? We can't keep this up. I will say this. There were questions in the Indiana game about a slow start, and Ohio State scored touchdowns on five of their first seven possessions, and the other two were turnovers. Here, yeah. And I always take slow start as offense. Frankly, because again, Minnesota only scored 14. Yeah. I predicted a slow start for Ohio State. My outrageous prediction was that Minnesota was going to lead by two scores. And like if they had gotten the fourth down spot on Mike Weber right, they might have had that happen. Mm -hmm. Which I wrote a story about. You can go read it. I thought that was a bad spot. I can't believe they didn't review it. I thought Ohio State got very lucky. And my headline right after the game was Ohio State was the head word lucky in here because I feel like that was such a game changing thing. Ohio State's trailing. At the end of the first quarter, they're losing 7-3, to three, and they get stopped near midfield on fourth down. But they get the spot. And on the next play, they throw a touchdown pass. Yep. If they actually are stopped there, Minnesota takes over at the 42, 58 yards from the end zone, already up 7-3. And Minnesota wasn't stopped in the first half except by turnovers. Ohio State never stopped them defensively. They didn't force a three and out. Yeah. That is a huge – that's at least a seven-point swing. And the momentum swing there, I thought – and then like the fumble in the middle of the field, I thought was more luck than anything. I didn't find it to be a particularly awesome defensive play. A guy just kind of caught it and got hit and dropped it. I actually thought it was just an incomplete pass. Yeah, P.J. Fleck wasn't super mad about that. I thought it was close. I think they could have gone that way. I actually thought they got it right. But anyway, Ohio State's series was drive, stall in the red zone, kick a field goal. That was their first drive. Their second drive was the touchdown after the spot. Because Minnesota drives took so long mm-hmm. that they didn't have that many drives. Then uh, Ohio State had another drive. This is the, the red zone drive that was stopped on fourth and one. Yep. But they drove. It was a 57-yard drive. They got stopped on fourth and one. So the first three drives are drive for a score, drive for a score, drive, get stopped on fourth and one. <coughs> Excuse me. Then the next possession is a touchdown. And then the next possession, the half end. So they only had five first-half possessions. One, they screwed up the end of the half because of an Isaiah Prince penalty, actually, and there was runoff and stuff. They had no timeouts. But either. the four drives before that were two touchdowns, a field goal, and they were stopped on fourth and one. So, again, like, slow start. I don't, like, they gave up some stuff to Minnesota, but, like, I don't, I don't buy slow start because I don't think At it's – At least not offensively, no. I mean, it's and, – and Minnesota had a game plan. Minnesota had a game plan. So uh, did you think it was like an emotion? Like I wasn't surprised they were kind of sluggish or whatever, but did you think it was like an emotional, you know, we were flat, or did you just think they didn't execute? I thought they were a little flat. I thought they were really flat on defense. They looked tired like from the start of the game on defense. 
and maybe that's just because they were shorthanded. Um, I did think the offense was flat, even though it, I, I, I don't, wouldn't say it was slow, but I thought they were a little flat from an energy standpoint um, and had a few big passes that led to touchdowns. Um, so I, I, I think like the total picture, I do kind of agree with the idea of a slow start. I, I like you, automatically go to offense when I hear that, and I would disagree if it was just a description of the offense, but whole team – the way they came out, the way the defense played, I think slow start is a good way to categorize this game. So why? So what? Is that is that a thing? Is that on the coaches? Is it? They're always bad on noon starts. Noon game, sleepy stadium opponent you don't quite get up for. And yeah, I thought I thought that they were a little underprepared, which we have also seen a few times over the last couple seasons. Like the defense looked totally off, caught off guard by the idea that Minnesota was going to run RPO stuff, and that's what Minnesota has done all year. Um, the only thing that Minnesota did that I thought was a little surprising was run on third and long when Ohio State had its nickel out there, and they did it one time and got 25 yards. I was like, okay, good call by Minnesota. That won't happen again, and then it happened again. Yep. Um, so I thought, yeah, Ohio State got outcoached a little bit. Not a little bit. They got outcoached. And I made a comparison, I think, in my tweet after the game that this to me was like the Iowa game because, again, I still don't attribute the Iowa game last year to just emotional stuff. I thought it was out-coached, out-executed. Iowa had a game plan on both sides of the ball. I thought Minnesota had a game plan on both sides of the ball. The difference was Minnesota's not as good as Iowa was last year. They yeah. don't have Nate Stanley. They don't have Noah Fant. They don't have Josh Jackson. They don't have Echo Josie Wadley. Jewell. Right? They yeah. don't have as many good players. And it was at home. And Josie of, Jewell wasn't on the team last year, was he? Josie Jewell? Josie Jewell? Josie Jewell. Was Chad Greenway on the team last year? He was not. I get, I get the Iowa linebackers confused. They're all the Josie same. Jewell? Josie Jewell? They just cloned what the best guy every year. Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell wasn't on the team last year. Are you sure? I'm not totally sure. He was second in our preseason Defensive Player of the Year voting. Was he? To Taekwondo Lewis. Okay, he was on the team last year. Josie Jewell. He's in the NFL now. Don't act like I don't know Josie Jewell. <laughs> Josie Jewell, by the way, is the protagonist in <laughs> every single one of the Buckeye Passions <laughs> Buckeye books. Buckeye Passions. <laughs> Joseph Sura, Joseph M. Sura, is there any fix for the defense? Seven games in, still seeing yeah, a lot of the same schemes. flaws. Stop putting the linebackers on the line of scrimmage. You've pushed. Now, when did you push Greg Shiano on that? After I the have, game I last have, week? I have not, actually. I thought, when did you ask him about it? Shiano, I didn't ask about it. Because I didn't, I didn't, somebody had like mentioned it to me on Twitter, and then I watched the games ago, like, oh, yeah. So, like, I, it was not something that was in my head after the Indiana game last week. Um, but then I asked Tuff Borland about it, and then asked Pete Werner about it again after the game today. Um, and I get why they do it. It makes perfect sense. And like in a world where Ohio State's defensive line is not healthy and you want to give those guys extra help, like I guess you have to sort of take the risk that might come with that. Um, but I disagree with like, against these spread offenses, putting the linebackers so close to the line of scrimmage is just asking to get beat. And, and the thing is, it's not working. It's the, not. I, don't, I don't know what the – Payoff is from putting them up there because they're not they're not pressuring the quarterback. They're not really getting after the quarterback that much, other than when Chase Young does something on his own. I don't feel like they're getting a consistent push. Draymond no. Jones had a sack today. No, they're not. But I don't feel like the, the bang for the buck is not there. What they're giving up by having no linebackers in the middle of the field, and what they're giving up is like completion, 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 completion. I don't see the payoff on it. Well, this is what we're getting because they're up there. Yeah. I don't feel like they're particularly disruptive with the pass rush right now. So. It's not working, so I would stop doing it. And the RPO stuff is hard. Alex Grinch really came out defend, after yeah. the game, and I talked to him a lot. It's hard. That's why everyone does it. But they got – and you, I thought 
you asked Pete Werner about it. I asked Pete Werner about it. I sensed a little frustration I from did Pete too. Werner yeah. about the idea of like RPOs are hard. They have us way up at the line of scrimmage, and we basically spend the whole day getting caught in between. Yeah. It's like the, the desired outcome for Ohio State on those passes is like is the hope that Pete Werner gets his hand on one. I just like that's a really tough spot for him to be in. And he's just doing what he's told to do. Yep. Like you can get you can be mad at Pete Werner that he's out of position on these things. He's doing what he's coached to do. But I thought today they gave up the slants, obviously. But mm-hmm. then they also gave up the runs. Like then it was like, okay, well now we're gonna back off and now they run it on you. Yeah. Which again is the whole point of why people love them. But but they're not I mean, I guess they are committed. It's like, well, they're not committed to something. Yeah, they're committed to keeping them up at the line of scrimmage. And so they didn't run as much as they threw. They said I think they tried to take the deep ball away with the way they played man coverage. They played, I think, a little bit of a different coverage to give up some inside routes but have guys better turned. The, this Kendall Sheffield interception is the same reason they gave up the inside routes. Because if you watch how Kendall Sheffield played that, he's a little bit angled, and it gave him a good view of the deep ball. But also, if you get inside leverage on him there, he's behind you because he's not straight up on you on the line of scrimmage. He's angled. So if you come off the line and get – Position on him inside, it's over. Yep. He can't cover you, and there's no linebacker there, and there's no pass rush getting there. So they're trying to stop the run with the linebackers moved up. They're trying to uh, defend against the deep ball by having the, the corners play a little bit more angled in their press, in their man. Um, it's not press man, it's bail man. I looked up one thing on the internet. I think <laughs> I'm a, I think I'm a, I think I'm Dan You're Lee Corso. And the result is this, and Alex Grinch said this. He did say, I don't know how many games you're going to lose because of the slant. So none of those slant. Now, they, they might lose games when the slant is a K.J. Handler slant for 93. Or a Rondell Moore next week. None of those were that today. They were all 15, 17, 11, 12, 9, 14. Yeah, the safeties were a little better at getting those guys down today. And, and the run game and the pass game. So Not maybe. Better, way better. Maybe, maybe in a world of like, well, we can't give up the deep ball and we don't want to let them sit back there all day. We want to put some pressure on them. We'll give them the middle of the field. And it looks awful. It looked like you, you don't, this is easy. They don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And they get a free 14 yards whenever they want it. They scored 14 points. Yeah, I, I mean, there's always, I think it's, it's, it's modern college football to an extent. You have to be willing to give something up. Nobody shuts down everything, um, and I guess ultimately, if you keep them out of the end zone, that's all that matters. It is just like it is. It's frustrating. I can imagine like being an Ohio State fan sitting there thinking, "Like my God, they're running the same play over and over and over again, and it's always working." Um, I get why that would be frustrating, but I think that's that's an interesting point by Alex Grinch. I don't know if I totally agree with it because I think it depends on what team you're playing, but it was true today. Nikki Unders, our guy, is it just me or has the offense been incredibly disjointed since Urban returned to the sidelines? And then our man Charlie, excuse me, Charlie Tweeter, just like did one of those gifs where it's like a guy pointing to Nikki yeah, Unders' point. I see that. I've seen that question a lot. It's like, yes, the offense has not looked as good as it looked when they played Oregon State and Rutgers. Yeah. That's a fact. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening that suggests that Urban's getting more involved and or, or Urban's mucking things up a little bit. I, don't, I just don't know what that is. So they're not they're not as quick, right? They're not going tempo as much. They're not going tempo as much. Why? Mm, worth asking. Worth asking. I think it's because the defense is getting gashed a little bit and they want to give them a break. 
Yeah, they're exhausted already, frankly. They're exhausted. They're playing freshmen and sophomore tackles at end. So Yeah, and it's also hard to run tempo when you can't run the ball. When you run the ball into a line, the line of scrimmage, you lose two yards, and you want to hurry back up the line and do it again. Like Negative plays throw all that stuff off schedule. Yep. I don't know. It's interesting. Eloy R. Hernandez, Eloy 017. Are we not able to play defense like Michigan? Don't we have better players? Why don't we just adopt this? I just feel like every team has figured out how to handle our D, but everyone still struggles against Don Brown's defensive scheme. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know Don Brown's defensive scheme. I have no idea what they do. I, I, I will say this. How do I say this? I wonder if they come back with press man next year. And here's why. One is Kerry Combs is gone. He was really good at it. Number two is it works when you have a top 10 pick. When it's Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore and Gary on Conley, it works. And Eli Apple, it works. When you don't have that, it's much more dangerous. And it just feels like we're asking a lot of questions about, like, this is, seems to be not working. Why do you guys do it? And their answer is because we do it. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's not in the bylaws. Like, Urban is telling you this is the style of defense we play. Greg Schiano is saying this is the style of defense we play. I don't know that they're going to abandon it and go to a cover two in the middle of this season. But I don't know in an RPO world, in a world where people are just flinging it around like this, is saying we're going to put our corners man-on-man press coverage every single play. That's what we do. Is that really the best? And they say, Alex Grinch said said it again today, most teams don't do this. So I'm not saying that you have to be like most teams, but is there a reason that most teams don't do this? They are a bit of an outlier on this. And I think, right, the reason most teams don't do it is because they don't have the personnel to do it. But I think perhaps if your corners aren't all first-round picks, maybe Ohio State doesn't have the personnel to do it either. Because you are putting so much on a guy yeah. not getting beat, and then he does not have much help when he gets beat. And in this world... Sometimes you're going to get beat. Of course you are. They throw it 50 times a game. They trick you. They act like it's a run play, <laughs> then they throw it. It's very tricky. It's communism. <coughs> uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think I mean, the, the, it's, it's a fact that the personnel and the secondary is not as good. I think, I think a major part of it, like Marshall Lattimore and Gary Conley and Denzel Ward were awesome, all deserving of being first-round picks, all very good pros. Um, they were also part of a defense that had a really good pass rush. And right now, Ohio State's defense does not have a really good pass rush because they are tired, they are shorthanded, they're missing the best defensive player in college football. Um, and I think part of the pressure that comes with playing press man is also forcing the quarterback to make quick decisions. And if he has more time to pick apart your press man defense, um, that matters. So yep. in a world where they don't have quite the talent they had at cornerback and they don't have the pass rush that they've grown accustomed to over the last few years because of injuries, I think they have to adjust. And so far they haven't. Um, and I don't know if they will. I, I, I mean, if, if they don't do it next week, then I'm just guessing they never will with the way that Purdue's going to try to throw the ball on them and spread them out. Like, 
if they don't if they don't change their ways against Purdue, then I don't think they change it against anybody. But I think it's true. I just I think they don't they don't have the personnel that they've had in the past, and the coaches have not done a good job of forming forming. They've done an incredible job of forming the offensive passing scheme to Dwayne Haskins, and a terrible job of formatting scheme to personnel everywhere else on the team. Kurt Delp at Kurt. 0510. Do you believe in the getting every team's best shot talk? Does that really matter? I do not. No, no, I don't. I don't like. I don't think. Maybe today was Minnesota's, but Minnesota's pretty good defensively. Um, like I don't think they got Indiana's best shot last week. I think there was a little more. Maybe Indiana could have given them. Um, I think it happens. I don't think it's it's a rule. They didn't get Rutgers' best shot, although maybe they did. They might have. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like that's what a good team says when a lesser team plays them tight. Yeah, it's, it's a good, convenient excuse. Would, it, would you rather be like? Would you rather be Indiana and be like, "Wow, I wish I wish we were Indiana," because Indiana gets everyone's mediocre shot. It's like, yeah, because Indiana's mediocre. Like it's just one of those things. It's what the big guy says to justify not winning every game by fifty. You were in PJ Flex press conference. Do you get to, did you get the feeling that PJ Flex thought this was the best shot Minnesota could give Ohio State? No, I thought I thought they felt not like that he would say it either. But no, he thought yeah. they hung around and they did and they did the best they could. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are there still people out there? A few. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, that we just we're just trying to do a podcast. This is Bill's final podcast. We're in Gene Smith's uh, suite. Don't say that. Now everyone knows the secret. Yeah, there's jelly beans in here. I don't know. I, I just, I, I, it's an excuse. It's an excuse. It's what good teams say. Because nobody, I mean, you can't. We played like crap. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like any of that talk. I never write it. It's it is weird to me. Um, Aaron Horner has a lot of good questions. Why do the coaches let Prince get roasted over and over and not help him? Why didn't they help him? Bad coaching. Bad bad adjustments. How many points we're going to lose by at Purdue? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, Munford update on Munford. Is he okay? Urban uh, Meyer said that he rolled his ankle and has like a little bit of a hip thing, but he thinks he'll be okay for next week. When will teams start forcing Ohio State to beat them via the run, and can they do it? Brian Egan, 78. Like like back off and not put eight guys in the box? It's like, I don't think that you can necessarily stop Ohio State's. Like Penn State tried to do that. They tried to take away the deep pass, right? And then Ohio they, State they loaded up. Them. They loaded it up and played coverage in the back and like made Ohio State try to work the middle of the field and hope that their pass rush got there first, and it, and it did largely. But Minnesota was talking today like they kind of were trying to take the run away and make them throw. That I, I just don't think you can stop. So I think it's almost like we can't stop the passing game, so try to make them one-dimensional. Yeah. And, and they felt good about the idea. They thought Ohio State scored 23 because the last touchdown came with two minutes left. It was kind of like when Minnesota was gassed. So they did. They they thought they did a pretty good job. Dwayne Haskins threw for four hundred, but they thought they did a pretty good job. They were not upset with their defensive scheme. So I don't. The idea. I think it might be more the idea of like, well, we're gonna take away the run and make you win by doing only one thing. But the thing they're doing is like at an extraordinary level. Yeah, I don't know. I've been waiting for it to change. Um, I think it will at some point. I don't know if the, if the offensive line. Keeps showing that it's going to struggle the way it is. I think maybe at some point it'll flip and teams will just start dropping eight and make Dwayne Haskins try to work the field. Um, but I just think they'll run the ball, and I think they'll run it well when that happens. I I, I, I agree with everybody who's concerned about the run game. It has been concerning over the last few games, and there are things they need to get figured out there. But if they ever get find themselves in a situation where teams truly are backing off to defend the pass and there's room to run, I think they're going to run and run it well. 
Mark Roberts at Mark44Roberts. What kind of donation and to which charity do we donate to keep Doug from ever attempting the I Nick Saban impersonation again? What's your favorite charity? I like, uh, I don't know, you know, cancer charity. That's good. Yeah. Just send money. I, um, dumpster fire. Wow, Mark Roberts is on fire. Dumpster fire or train wreck? Train wrecking into a burning dumpster? What's the professional wordsmith's choice for what we just saw? Touchdown, Michigan State. Wow. Listen, people, Georgia lost LSU. Yeah. Washington is right in it with Oregon. Penn State's going to lose to Michigan State. Ohio State fans should be good about this. Antonio's getting his magic out now against Penn State before they play Ohio State in a few weeks. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I get... Nobody, I nobody's good. College football, nobody's good. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't... I mean, they won. I don't... I, I, they're, all, they're all about how awful they are. All the questions about how terrible they are. So I don't know. Secondary looks lost. Why is Bill Davis still the linebacker's coach? I, I mean, I don't know. It's the same. You know why. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say anything positive. I don't want to say anything. That, I don't want to say anything along the lines of the number three team in the country will be fine. Because that's not what anybody wants to hear. So I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's middle ground. There's middle ground between they'll be fine and middle and, and like burn the whole thing down. Um, I think the fan base is in a weird spot right now. All right, last one with Kurt Kramer. At CP Cremo, are we reaching the point where we're thinking about just going one-dimensional on offense? Seven, eight games left, and then Urban can go back to his zone read with Tate. Just embrace the 60 pass attempts per game and see where it takes us. You aren't fixing the running game this late. It's the midway point of the season. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good point. Like, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not enough of an expert in it, I guess, to know what, what they can switch to now. In the run game, I think a lot of it comes down to the tight ends and offensive line blocking a little better. Um, so I don't know. I, I, throwing it six times a game would get you pretty far. Are you getting nervous about how much Ohio State is relying on Dwayne Haskins, that 614 sports fan? No. Feels like good. we're an above-average team and nothing more without him. He may or may not win the Heisman, but he is no doubt about it MVP by definition. I mean, this is how – that's what a lot of teams do. Yeah. They're a great quarterback. Right, a good quarterback, yeah. It's not a bad idea. I mean, like the receivers are playing really well, too. I, I feel like that gets lost in this. They are. I don't know. So, I, 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 listen, I'll get, we'll get to more of your questions. I'll do a mailbag this week or something. Um, Ryan Sullivan, I'll finish. You asked me this, too. He said, do you have a different take to those who were negative about last week? Do I have a different take to those people? And so I would say I, I think there's a couple things defensively that I think are more legit to be worried about. But in a world where teams lose – um, I am not at all worried about like relying on Dwayne Haskins. That I don't think is a problem. What I said last week that whatever problem you have, Dwayne Haskins can fix it. I mean that. It's like it's pithy, but I also mean that. But defensively, I feel like they are they are caught in between right now about what they want to be defensively. They've got to figure out how they want these linebackers to play, or they're going to get RPO'd to death. And then I do think they need to. And you said Kevin Wilson talked about it after the game. They need to figure out like what they're going to do in the red zone. Yeah, they're caught in. I think they're caught in between schematically and play calling wise, defensively overall, and in the red zone on offense. Yeah. But I think I think like when Nick Bosa gets healthy, if they get Malik Harrison and Jonathan Cooper back, uh, I'm assuming Haskins is going to keep doing what they're doing. I think they have the pieces, but I'm a little surprised. They haven't figured out the red zone by now, and I think they're being stubborn on defense. But I also go back to the idea they gave up 14 today. They gave up 14, and it's like the sky is falling. And it's not about – you can give up 900 yards. You don't get bonus points for that. 
Yep. It's about how many points you score. They scored 14. And is it luck that they forced a fumble and grabbed two interceptions, or is that exactly who they are? That's who they are. It goes back to the thing I wrote four weeks ago. The break-break defense. They'll break you, you break them. That's who they are, and they know it, and they plan for it, and they just won't ever say it out loud. But that's exactly who they are. They're not getting as much pass rush. Nick Bosa broke a lot of people. So they're missing that for sure. But try to let, get, let Chase Young make a couple plays. Let this secondary make a few plays on the ball. And realize you're going to give some stuff up. They don't have all Big Ten players at linebacker this year. And hold on, man. And hold on. I don't know. I think maybe that's the plan and they just can't say it out loud because you're not allowed to talk that way as a coach. But also I think maybe maybe you've got to figure something out because it feels like at the moment what they're doing with the linebackers is putting them in a position to not succeed either way. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think they're being frustrated by that. The players? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So figure out what you're going to try to do and, and quit having them get caught in between. All right, say your last thing ever. Uh, bye everybody. Yeah, we already did the sad stuff yeah. during the week. All right, we got to get out of here. They're, they kick us out. Listen, I don't. We're just trying to cover the team. <laughs> Trace McSorley's rolling out. He's gonna try to throw a seventy-yard pass. He's a leprechaun. Uh, Didn't work. Nope. Penn State lost. Anyway, so the teams that Ohio State played close games with keep losing. So anyway, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, that's because they got their best shot. Yeah. Not throwing away my shot. Man, I'm surprised Penn State lost that one. I thought Michigan State was kind of a fraud this year. Antonio! Say your last thing. This is I said goodbye. I said goodbye. I said goodbye. Last word. Here, this is what you get to do. Oh, I, do I you get say to say the thing? Oh, I get to say like the whole end thing? Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Doug's going to do a podcast next week. I won't be there. Um, what do you say? Oh, yeah. Okay, so for Doug Lee Maurice, I'm Bill Landis. And that was Buckeye Talk. Felt good. <laughs>